mentioned our read our text is from Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 through 34 and I've entitled the message stop worrying which is quite clear in the context you know when we look at scripture we can often determine the problem or problems that the text is addressing by looking at it by considering the words that are said and these verses you can see that Jesus is addressing the subject and the problem of worry. If you include verses 19 through 24, which relates to money, which relates to different things and all things about coveted things, if you include those words, this is the largest section or the largest topic in the Sermon on the Mount. That's the largest if you include those. And I think it's because God's people tend to worry a lot. It's easy to worry, isn't it? It just comes naturally. It just happens. Um, so now Jesus is not talking about planning or thinking about issues or discussing things, but it has to do with, with the, um, the over-occupation, um, with unhealthy preoccupation of things in our minds and our hearts. The problems of the world can move anyone to despair and worry. But Jesus is telling his people not to worry. Why? Because the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And I believe Jesus is addressing three things here that we tend to worry about the most. And I think that's why they're here. There are three of them. And Jesus is saying, stop worrying about these things. Stop worrying about these things. The first one, the things that we worry about, the first one is found in verses 25 through 30. And it has to do with stop worrying about the future. We always tend to get overoccupied with the future. What's going to happen? What we're going to do? Will things go this way? Will things go that way? Um, we get all caught up in these things. And many times they don't even, um, they don't even come to pass. We never have to deal with it. Matter of fact, there was a, a businessman who, um, worried so much that he decided to put, uh, uh, make a box, a small box and put everything that he would worry about in a box and worry about it one day a week. Like on Wednesday was his day. So he put all these things in every day. There's something he just put in there so he didn't have to deal with it. And by the time he got to Wednesday, most of the things were cleared up, never happened or worked themselves out. The chapter could have ended in verse 24, where Jesus is saying, um, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to, you going to follow me? Are you going to serve two masters? Uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. And it could have stopped there logically. And as far as the text goes, but he continues. And he pulls this thing out and addresses God's people about worry. Now, again, he doesn't say don't evaluate, question or plan. If you look at verse 26, he says, look, um, look at the birds of the air. Verse 28, consider the lilies of the field. So he's asking us to, to evaluate those things. It's just the unhealthy preoccupation and, con and consumption of time given to worry. Actually, there was a bass player 
a bassoon player, I'm sorry, a bassoon player who was in an orchestra. And he worried for the longest time. Um, he couldn't hit a high E note on his bassoon. And uh, he was so worried um, and he had to perform. He didn't wasn't quite clear what the music was, but he was very nervous about this. And he said to the conductor, he said, you know, I've been worrying about this all the time. He says, since I, I heard about it, um, I can't hit the high E. Should I not play? And the conductor says, don't worry. There's no E, high E in your music tonight. So there's nothing to worry about. But see, things are like that with us. We worry about things that never will come to pass. Now, the first thing I'd like you to notice that Jesus tells you to do when he says, stop worrying. First of all, he tells you to remember God's promises. This is in verses 25 and 26. He tells you to remember God's promises. Notice he says, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink. Look at the birds of the air, verse 26. He's bringing all this information. And the word worry is a Greek word, which means to draw in different directions. It's like being pulled this way, pulled that way, pulled here, pulled there. Everything is going in different directions. It's this thought, it's that thought. It's all messed up. And that's what worry does. It's useless. And you know the word is used six times here in these verses, in verses 25 through 34. So you know that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Worry is useless. And you know something else interesting? There are eight questions used here in verse 25 through 34. Eight questions. You might say, why does he do that? Why the questions? Why the, why the interrogative? Well, because it causes you to think more to pay attention more, to consider what's being said more. When someone asks you a question and you got to think and how you're going to respond, but if someone's just saying something or reading something or talking, you don't have the same kind of, of, of response. But Jesus is concerned about the future. And did you hand those out? I'm sorry. Um, I'd like you uh, on the, um, the handout that he's giving to you. And I'm sorry, I forgot the hand earlier. But the handout, I have the, the text of the scripture, and then I have some other verses that I will be referring to here in the sermon. So I will be doing that. And if you look at it, it has a sermon outline so you can follow along um, and see where I'm going and what I'm talking about here. So stop worrying about the future. Remember God's promises. Think. Listen. How do you respond to these things? He's really using the much more principle. If, if the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, you're so much more important. And if God takes care of them, he's going to take care of you. And you know that an over or an unhealthy preoccupation and consumption of time gives to worry. And worry can be very tiring and very difficult for you. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It's on the handout. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See what he says? Promises, having given to us not just promises, but great promises, not just great promises, but exceedingly great promises. What the Lord says and what he promises in his word is true. Yet so often we fail to to believe that and apply it to our lives in the situation we're in. It's very interesting where he says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. The word look there is a Greek word which means to look intently and carefully, very carefully look at them and study them, observe and learn how God provides for them. Look at them. You're so much more important. And yet, we have a tendency to worry when God says, when the Lord is saying, it's, it's, it's worthless. Do not worry. Do not worry. The second thing I think Jesus tells you <clears throat> to do, uh, not only remember God's promises in verse 25, 26, but remember God's plan in verse 27. He says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now, a cubit is 18 inches. But what he's saying is, you don't have the power to do this. Worry cannot change anything except overwhelm us. God's will will be accomplished. Worry is often wasted because things don't often happen the way we think they will. And he says, can you add one cubit to your stature? You know, you you can't do that. It's impossible. Matter of fact, the Greek word is where we get the word dynamite from. Do you have that kind of power? No. So you're wasting. You're, You're wasting your time, your energy when you do this. You can't. Remember, God has a plan. He has a plan for your life. Look at Psalm 139, verse 15 through 16 for a moment. Psalm 139, verse 15 through 16. It says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And David's saying this, And skillfully wrought in the lower parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your body, in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. You see that? His days, our days are, are, are already planned by God. He knows us. He, he, he made us and he knew us before we were ever created. And he has our days planned. And what will happen to us? And he's saying, don't worry. Don't worry about those things. You know, at the crucifixion of Jesus, everything seemed out of control, didn't it? They were probably worried. The disciples were beside themselves, not understanding what's going on. But the Lord was in control of all of it. It was God's plan that Jesus should suffer and pay the penalty of the sins of his people. Today, we remember that at the Lord's table, remember what he did for us. When everything seemed so out of control, the disciples fled. It was in the plan of God. And so we too must understand no matter what happens, no matter what happens in this world, what happens um, with government, what happens with other things, everything is in God's control. The third thing 
I think he's saying to us is remember God's provision in verse 28 through 30. Here he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Talks about the lilies, they neither toil nor spin. And then also in verse 29, uh, Solomon was not arrayed like the beauty of these of the lilies. And if God takes care, takes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have a little faith. Now grass in those days, dried grass was used to raise the temperature of the ovens and what they were doing. So they would add that to raise the temperature. So he was saying, but the grass had its purpose. It has its purpose and what it does. And yet you, you need to understand that God is taking care of you and you are in his heart, in his mind. He will direct your life. Remember God's provision. And again, the word considers a word which means to examine very carefully and thoroughly, intensely and accurately, to learn very thoroughly. Now, when you go to a, to a store, maybe it's a, a community store where there's, you know, things that have been pre-used or pre-owned or whatever. You go in and you look and there's clothing there. Well, what you'll do if you see something you like, you, you look very carefully at it. You study it to make sure there's not any holes or something's torn or there's a problem here. You look very carefully. That's what he's saying. Consider, examine very carefully. Because, you know, <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes we really don't know what's going on in a situation in our lives and in other people's. We just, we just don't know. We think we do. <clears throat> we come to some understanding sometime. But there's an interesting illustration here I'd like to, to read here to, that explains this, I believe, very carefully that we don't know what's going on in every situation. Um, there was, um, this, um, businessman was attending a, uh, a, a stock show where a grand champion lamb owned by a little girl was being auctioned as the, as the bid reached $5 per pound, the little girl standing beside the lamb in the arena began to cry at $10. The tears were streaming down her face and she she clasped her arms tightly around the lamb's neck. The higher the bidding rose, the more she cried. Finally, this businessman bought the lamb for more than $1,000. This was years ago. But then announced that he was going to donate it to the little girl. Well, the crowd applauded and cheered and stood up. Isn't this wonderful? She's getting the lamb she was crying over. Well, months later, this man was judging some essays that were written about that time and what was going on at this auction. And he said, he came across this auction, uh, this little girl's essay regarding this. And uh, she talked about the time her grand champion land had been auctioned. She said, the price began to get so high during the bidding, she wrote, that I started to cry from happiness. She continued with the man who bought the lamb for so much more than I ever dreamed I would get returned the lamb to me. I couldn't believe it. When I got home, daddy barbecued the lamb and it was really delicious. You see, 
Everybody was thinking that she's, oh, she just doesn't want to give up this lamb. She doesn't want to give it up. She loves it. She wants to keep it all here. Everybody was wrong. Her daddy barbecued it. But you see, sometimes we don't know what's going on in every situation. We don't know what the Lord is keeping us from and protecting us by doing things that he does in our lives. So the first thing about worrying, I think he says, stop worrying about the future. Secondly, I believe in verses 31 and 32, he says, stop worrying about your needs. Stop worrying about your needs. Verse 31 through 32. Therefore, do not worry. Again, he brings that up. He keeps saying this. Do not worry. Do not worry. It's one, two, three, four, five, six times he talk, uses the word worry because that's how we are. We tend to be like that. So stop worrying about your needs. The Lord tells you that the Lord God, the Lord God knows all your needs. He says this, look, first of all, in verse 31, the first thing I'd like you to notice in these verses is the Lord knows your concerns. You see this in verse 31. He knows that you need food. He knows you need clothing. He knows you need all these things. And verse 31 is actually repeats part of verse 25, doesn't it? Therefore, he says, stop worrying. Therefore refers back to what he had previously said. Stop worrying. Don't get caught up like the world does, storing up more and more and worrying that you don't have enough, worrying how things are going to work out. Don't do that. Again, he's not saying don't plan, don't plan for the future, don't, you know, anything like that. But the Lord knows your concerns. He does. Look at Psalm 34, verse 15 for a moment. Psalm 34, <clears throat> verse 15. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. And that word Lord in all capitals is the name Yahweh. Yahweh, God's covenant name. I am who I am. He's saying the, his eyes are on his people and his ears hear you. When you speak to him, when you cry out to him, when you ask him for things, he hears and he will answer according to his time and his way. The Lord knows your concerns, verse 31. Secondly, the Lord knows your needs, verse 32. After all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all <clears throat> these things. Notice he doesn't just say all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows your need. He knows all your need, all things that you need. He knows everything that you need. The Gentiles, which basically refers to those who aren't believers, true believers, are caught up in the pursuit of more and more material things. The rich want to become richer and the world admires them. But when you hear of the death of someone who's not a believer, you know they take nothing with them, nothing at all with them. There's so much more important. The Lord knows your need. Look at Philippians 4.19 for a moment. <clears throat> it says, 
and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, is God lying? Of course not. What does he say he's going to do? Supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He knows what you need. Your heavenly father knows. So take that worry and put it at the foot of his cross and let it there. Third thing I'd like you to to see here, the Lord wants you to know, stop worrying about your needs. The Lord knows, as I said, all things. Get the much more principle. Your heavenly father knows not just some things, all things, everything about you, your future, your needs, how he will lead you, when he will take you home to heaven. And if your heavenly father is concerned about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, what does that say about how he cares for you? If Jesus died for your sins and you believed in him, won't he take care of everything you need? The problem is when we When we begin to worry about something, when we start worrying, it, get, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's the problem. They tend to explode. They get blown out of proportion. You notice there was a study done that a dense fog that covered a, uh, a seven-city block area, 100 feet deep, is composed of less than one glass of water. It's divided into 60,000 million drops. Not much there, but it can be crippling, can it? An entire city. You see, worry can be like that. It's small and yet it expands and there's really, we just make it bigger. Don't let it take care, control of you. Don't let worry do that to you. Thirdly and lastly, as we consider this, stop worrying. First, he says, stop worrying about the future. Secondly, stop worrying about your needs. And thirdly, stop worrying about the unknown. Stop worrying about the unknown. We often get very caught up in this because the Lord, we don't have to worry about the unknowns because the Lord your God knows all things and will provide them for you. This is what he wants you to do instead of worrying. Here's what you are to do about the unknown. First of all, seek God's kingdom. See that in verse 33, don't you? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And you notice he doesn't say just seek, seek the kingdom of God. He says seek first. That's our primary responsibility is to seek the Lord and his kingdom and serve him. Seek that first. You know, Jesus is really here asking you to deal with priorities, right? What your priorities are. What should come first? What everything else should come next? And the word seek is a command. And it's a continual thing. Keep on seeking. Don't stop. So what's first in your life? 
What's first in my life? Time with the Lord, Bible study, worship, family. And you notice it says here, to seek, not sit. If you're going to seek God's kingdom, you got to move. You got to do what he wants you to do. You have to get up and do something. You can't just sit and think about it. Have to do it. Seek his kingdom. Pursue it. Notice he talks about self-denial, not relief. Holiness, not always happiness, but holiness is one of the focuses he has for us. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Listen to what this says. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Jesus, who is our life, appeared, then you will also, and also you will appear with him in glory. I remember many years ago when the 360 degree cinemas came out. uh, I was down in Florida and I went into one of these that was it was a round circle and the ceiling was very high. And then the picture went all the way around. It was like you were in the center. And the person that was running this said to everyone, now, many people have gotten sick from here. Some people have fallen over. Some people actually threw up some of their food. If you feel uncomfortable or like this is happen, happening, the, the person said, close your eyes because everything you're seeing is not real. It's not real. You know, I'm not saying we close our eyes to the world or our responsibilities, but sometimes we just have to look at the world and its system and say, this isn't the real thing. The real thing is coming. We belong to the Lord and it's coming. The second thing I think he tells us to do rather than worry, um, I think he tells us to believe God's word in verse 33. Believe God's word. Don't worry about the unknown. God's word, verse 33, what does it say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. It involves trust. You must believe that the Lord, what the Lord has said here, will you believe him? He's talking about his kingdom, not comforts. I have a, I've been to um, Bulgaria probably six times since 1993. And my friend over there, who lived in this country for three years, and we got very much involved with the churches there and everything. He had a saying, he said, when we retired, he would say, look, we'll rest in heaven. Let's just keep going. You know, that's a good thought, isn't it? Keep going. We'll rest in heaven. We'll rest in heaven. Look at Psalm 37, verse 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord, Yahweh, and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in Yahweh, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to Yahweh. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. 
Trust in him. Feed on his faithfulness. Remember that. Commit yourself to him. Believe his word. That's the second thing he says to do instead of worrying about the future. The third thing is trust God's providence. You see this in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry. And literally, these worries can all be translated, stop worrying, the way it's written in the original language. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worry involved takes so much energy, more than we can really give. It'll exhaust you and ruin your joy. Jesus is saying, take one day at a time and enjoy the blessings of the day and deal with issues and problems of that day. The evil one loves to get you to worry about tomorrow and the day after and way into the future. We do live in a sinful world, but we've been redeemed and we have the God of heaven and earth watching over us, directing us. No one can put a hand upon us unless he grants them permission. Enjoy the salvation that the Lord has given to you. We're we're saved. We're forgiven of our sins. Take each day at a time. What does Romans 8, 28? Look at that verse for a moment. You may know it by heart. It says, then we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You notice he doesn't just say all things work together for good. He says, and we know. We know that, don't we? As God's people, we know. It's his promise. All things work together for good. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that happens in and of itself is good. It just says that God's going to take everything and work it together for good. That's what he's promised to do. Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what might happen. Trust the Lord. Trust in him. Trust him with everything. And don't be afraid. Stop worrying. Very interesting story here about Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was working on the light bulb. It took a whole team of men 24 straight hours to put one together. They got it done. The story goes on that when Edison was finished with one light bulb, he gave it to a young boy helper who nervously carried it up the steps. Step by step, he cautiously watched his hands Frightened of dropping such a priceless piece of work? Well, you probably guessed. He dropped it. The poor young fellow dropped the bulb at the top of the stairs. Well, Edison didn't say much. He went back to making another one. It took the entire team of men 24 more hours to make another bulb. Finally tired and ready for a break, Edison was ready to have his bulb carried upstairs. He gave it to the same boy that dropped it. He didn't worry about the boy dropping it again. He gave it to him. He knew. He wasn't going to worry. 
but he wanted the boy to be able to experience that and know that he can do that rather than being a failure. Never worried. Amazing, isn't it? Worry will lead to fear. You don't have to fear or worry about anything. You are to think about things, but your life is in the hands of your heavenly father. Nothing can separate you from his love. Listen to what John says in John 10, 28 through 30. He's talking about you, Christian, me, believers, true believers. This is what he says. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. See that? You have Jesus securing you. Then you have the father securing over Jesus' hands and you're protected. The Lord is in control of everything. Let worry go away. Let fear go away. Your God is sitting on his throne. He's here. He's everywhere. He never leaves us. He's in control of everything. He rules over all his creation and all things. And he's directing your life. Nothing can separate you from his love. Absolutely nothing. And as you come to the table of the Lord today, remember, speak to him about worry. We all do it. Confess it to him. And remember what Jesus says to you. Stop worrying. Everything is in my hands. Your Savior is here. And remember his promises. Remember them. Because they will never, ever fail. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that you will bless us to our hearts. That we will not worry about things, but we will let them in your hands. Worry is so powerful that it can destroy us. So help us to remember who you are. Let us remember that we have a God that loves us and cares for us. And all things are in your hands. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.